What do this dog and a reindeer have in common? Why is this dog's howl compared to church bells? Is this the most popular hunting dog in Germany? Does this dog use its ears to smell? Was this the favorite breed of the Brady Bunch? Dogs 101 celebrates man's best friend. Today, the Swedish Laphund, the Blue Tick Coonhound, the German Wirehaired Pointer, the Petit Bassant Griffon Vendayon, the Bearded Collie, and we start with the dog that could have inspired Star Wars Ewoks, the Brussels Griffon. They co-starred with Jack Nicholson in As Good As It Gets and have been featured in movies like The First Wives Club and Gosford Park. This perky pooch may be petite, but don't be fooled. The Brussels Griffon has a plus-sized personality. They are so expressive, they're considered to have a human face. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Usually weighing between 8 and 10 pounds, these toy dogs had a humble beginning. It all started in Brussels, Belgium in the 1800s, where they held a less than glamorous job. They actually were used to catch rats out in the stables. The story is that over time, this energetic barn dog was likely crossed with a black pug, the King Charles Spaniel, the Ruby Toy Spaniel, and the Affenpinscher. And by the end of the 19th century, Belgian nobility had taken notice. Today, the Brussels Griffon is somewhat rare. If you're fortunate to come across this fun-loving creature, how will you know it's a Brussels Griffon? The sort of very bristly, bushy face and a little pushed-in nose. Brussels Griffons are brachycephalic, and their bodies are largely square and compact. No bean poles here. They are small, but they're not delicate. This is a sturdy, alert dog. They have two different types of coat, rough or smooth, in four different colors. Red, Belge, black and tan, or black. Oh, what a good boy. What a good boy. This red and rough-coated Brussels Griffon is named Diego. He calls Los Angeles home and is the pride and joy of his mom, Lorena. Diego has a great personality. He all around just makes my life a happier life. Roll over, all the way. This cutie pie might look like the perfect pooch. But eight-year-old Diego didn't always behave. Diego has a few problems, one of them being anxiety. He would bark out of control when I would leave him. But that wasn't all. Diego and his mom both had a weight problem. Two years ago, Lorena weighed over 200 pounds, and Diego was beginning to tip the scales, too. Diego was a good 15 and a half pounds, and for a small dog, that's a lot of weight. Knowing they had to make a change, Lorena and Diego got a move on it. Hey, ready, come in, one, drag it! Go, Diego, go! Most mornings you can find Lorena and her darling Diego at Thank Dog Boot Camp. Everybody look at your puppies! The only exercise program in the country to combine human fitness with canine fitness and canine obedience. The dog keeps the person motivated, and the person is being proud of watching their dog do all these commands while they're burning calories. Right back, ready, command one! Come on, Hurricane! 
The hour-long class in Burbank is part cardiovascular for people and dogs, with steady obedience training throughout. Combining the two gives dogs an intense workout. Mental stimulation and physical stimulation tires them out 20 times more than if you were to just let them run around. One result is that Diego's barking decreased substantially. I think the anxiety was almost under control within the first two to three days. But shedding the pounds requires a bit more work, especially for the two-legged members. While dog owners do calisthenics, their furry friends are trained to stay put and not socialize with other dogs. When the dog is sitting and staying or laying and staying, they're getting used to behaving in high distraction environments. Make your workout partner good job! Good job! Okay, you started out at 200. Class may be over, but today's weigh-in is up next, and Loren and Diego want to deliver the goods. It's been two years now since Diego and Lorena began attending Thank Dog Boot Camp. It's time to find out how many pounds she has dropped since day one. And now we're going to weigh you to see how much you've lost. Lorena has dropped a whopping 60 pounds. Lorena is really shedding the pounds. Can Diego keep up? He had a, maybe about a pound and a half or two pounds to go, and I really hope that he's made it. Come on, Diego. He's lost two pounds. Yeah. 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 Good job, Diego. Thank you, Boot Camp has made a big difference in my life. I have a huge bond with my dog now. I've made some incredible friends, and I get to do this every morning. Go, Diego, go! If you're charmed by this diminutive Belgian dog, think it through before searching for one of your own. Brussels Griffons are well suited to apartment living, but still need daily walks to stay trim and burn excess energy. In the health department, these little tykes are generally robust. Some fall prey to an occasionally fatal congenital defect that causes cysts in the spinal cord. When it comes to grooming, the smooth-coated Brussels Griffon needs weekly brushing while the rough-coated variety usually requires professional hand-stripping to remove loose hair without pain. Training requires some extra care, too. If you get one of these, you want to start really early with the wee-wee pads and crate training. Social and affectionate, the Brussels Griffon is a big-hearted companion that fits into almost any family. Children under five may not be able to handle their tiny frames. To sum up, the Brussels Griffon is an adaptable dog that does well in an apartment or a home, as long as it gets regular exercise. The breed's health is generally good, and its grooming requirements are about average. House training can be tricky, but the Brussels Griffon is an excellent choice for families as long as young children are not too rough with them. It's hard to resist the blue tick coonhound. First thing I think of when I think of a blue tick coonhound is goofy. Blue tick coonhounds sort of have a dopey, lovable look to their face. They have long lips on a long muzzle and long floppy ears and those droopy, dreamy eyes. But don't be fooled by their charming appearance, because in reality, they're not clumsy by any stretch of the imagination. Neil Young's song, Old King, is a tribute to his once-beloved blue tick, Elvis. 
And in the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a blue tick coonhound is used as a symbol for the character Chief Bromden. These coonhounds are seen in Tennessee, you know, Mississippi, Louisiana. That's the big hunting area. So where does this hound come from? The South, of course. Believed to have originated in Louisiana, the blue tick likely descended from the Grand Blue de Gascogne and the English Foxhound. The resulting dog was known as the English Coonhound, which came with either blue or red ticking. Hunters like the blue tick dogs for their ability to follow a cold trail and for their endurance. They officially gave them the name blue tick in honor of their appearance, and today it's a breed all its own. The coon in Coonhound refers to the breed's ability to track and tree raccoons. Dogs can smell 100,000 times better than human beings. I would put blue tick Coonhounds at the top of the list. The blue tick is a cold-nosed scent hound, which means they have the ability to track older scents that may have a weaker or cold trail. So what do blue ticks do when they pick up the scent of their prey? All hounds have a tendency to oh, And each blue tick is born with its own unique howl, allowing a hunter to recognize their dog from far away. The best way to spot a blue tick is the blue ticking. Within the breed standard, the more ticking that a blue tick coonhound has, the more desirable. The blue tick has thin, long ears that reach the tip of its nose when pulled forward. The hills of Tennessee are the perfect home for a blue tick hound. That's where Earl Hudson keeps his blue tick, Smokey. Smokey is such a great pet because he's a lover. At home, this nine-year-old is comfy laying in the sun in Earl's backyard. Smokey has a wonderful life, and he has three dog houses. He can sleep in his chores. But Smokey is not your typical couch potato, because three weekends a month, Smokey lives a double life. These two young men have come to pick up Smokey to take him to his second home. It's the campus of the University of Tennessee, where Smokey reigns as one of the most famous college mascots. Smokey is more than a mascot. He's the pride of Tennessee. The University of Tennessee has had Smokey as our mascot since 1953, and we wouldn't have it any other way. When there's a game, Smokey's new buds are Robert Moser and Trey McAdams of the Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity. They're responsible for the big dog on campus. It's their job to feed and house Smokey for his weekend responsibilities and make sure that he has access to his fans. I love Smokey! Smokey's like a brother to me, and he'll be a lifelong friend. I love Smokey because he's my pet, he's my friend, uh, he's like my brother. But it's at the Tennessee Volunteer Games where Smokey steals the show. When Smokey runs onto the field, the UT fans know it's game time. Smokey is the Vols' biggest cheerleader. When the home team scores, Smokey runs back and forth in the end zone and does what a good blue tick hound was bred for. Smokey's howl's pretty loud at the games. It's long and it's kind of raspy, kind of like... One of the fans who can recognize Smokey's howl is his proud papa, Earl, who's always in the stands. I am so proud to own Smokey. He gives me incredible pride. 
After the game, what does any self-respecting college student do? Go to a frat party, of course. And that's where you'll find Smokey, hanging out by the food and helping his buddies make connections. I would say Smokey does help with my social life. I'm single, so he definitely helps a little bit with the ladies. And when the party's over, it's time to crash in the dorm. After the game, Smokey is exhausted. He gets on the couch and stays there all night. Monday morning, it's off to classes for Robert and Trey, and for Smokey, it's back home to Earl. Another win for the volunteers, and another weekend at school for Smokey. Not all blue ticks live in the city and the country, but this breed would prefer a large, open, fenced-in space. Definitely not an apartment dog. You would have the police coming over, I think, a lot. They're generally healthy, but some dogs develop cataracts and hip dysplasia. The blue tick's short, glossy coat is very low maintenance. And as far as training, blue ticks are smart, yet easily distracted by their nose. Athletic, loud, and determined, blue ticks are working dogs that need an active, loving family. In general, the blue tick is best suited to live in a place with space. They are pretty healthy, but can have some problems, such as cataracts and hip dysplasia. Maintaining their coat requires minimal care, yet training sometimes requires a little extra TLC. And overall, the blue tick can be a great pet and worker that loves to be part of an active family. Meet the Swedish Laphund. The dog with the world's friendliest bark. Well, at least if you're a reindeer. The Lap is actually for Lapland, or the northern extremes of Sweden, Finland, and Norway, where the nomadic Sami people put Swedish lap hunts to work herding reindeer. Archaeologists recently unearthed a 7,000-year-old Lappy skeleton in Norway. The Swedish lap hunt is probably one of the oldest breeds of dogs. And they're very rare. There's probably only about, I would say, five to ten of them in America right now. Swedish Lap Huns are part of the Spitz family, along with Akitas, Alaskan Malamutes, and Siberian Huskies. All these dogs have a wolfy look with pointed ears and long muzzles. Like many other Spitz-type dogs, they were generally developed in areas of the world that are very cold. A long, thick, double-layered coat protects Lappies from northern exposure. Coat color is always sheer black or brown, though sometimes a white patch appears on the chest. They actually bred them to have the black or brown bear coat coloring so it would stand out against the snow. The Swedish Lapon's compact square body stands slightly under medium-sized. A real dog of a dog. This breed has also developed a trait that sets it apart as a reindeer herder. A special high-pitched bark. It generates the sound by pushing air through the diaphragm like a syringe plunger and constricting the throat and vocal cords while exhaling to create the right pitch. The result is a bark that encourages the reindeer to move while also saying that the dog is not a predator. I would suspect that part of that is due to the fact that the reindeer are growing up with the Swedish Lapphunds from when their little baby reindeer get more accustomed to the dogs and vice versa. They may have solid reindeer herding credentials, 
but it's the Swedish Lapphund's huge heart that's renewing interest in the breed. Just ask Anna-Marie Kostianos, who lives in northern Finland with her three Lapphunds. I love Swedish Lapphunds because they are so social. They are, they are like teddy bears. Teddy bears who tear around her property herding reindeer. It was quite interesting to see how they work. Anna-Marie came across the Swedish Lapphund during one of the darkest periods of her life. After a messy divorce, Anna-Marie hit rock bottom. But they say a dog is the best cure for a broken heart. I decided to fulfill one of my dreams. I decided to take a dog. And this is when I met my dog, Mimi. Now Anna-Marie wants to repay her dogs for everything they have done for her. I wanted to give something back to these dogs. I wanted to let them do their natural work. Mimi and Anna-Marie now share their own passion for reindeer herding, a job that exercises Mimi's natural instincts and inspires Anna-Marie. Mimi's task? Herd together a group of reindeer. Anna-Marie gives Mimi some last-minute encouragement. Then she's off. Mimi combines her agility and speed with the unique lappy vocalization to draw the reindeer out of their woods and towards a smaller pen. They have this certain bark. Otherwise, the reindeer might think it's a wolf. Mimi shows the instincts of Swedish Lapphunds are as strong as ever. And for Anna-Marie, this is a way to strengthen the bond Lappies have with their people. They are very caring and loving dogs. I love them. From chasing reindeer in the cold to warming our hearts, this is a dog that loves to please. But bring a Swedish Lapphund into a home with a big yard and a temperate climate. They have a very dense coat, and that means they might not be the best dogs for a very warm climate, let's say Miami. This breed is relatively healthy, but watch out for retinal atrophy. It's an eye disorder, which leads to uh, vision loss. That long coat requires some time-consuming, regular grooming, especially when it sheds. Like all Spitz-type dogs, Lappies enjoy work, but an independent spirit means they like to figure things out for themselves and may challenge trainers. The Lappy is gaining a great reputation as a wonderful family dog in its native Scandinavia. So in general, the Swedish Laphund needs space and won't do well in a hot climate. They're generally healthy, but prone to retinal atrophy. The Lappy's long coat must be brushed out regularly. It's a highly trainable dog, but likes to work independently. And it's becoming known more and more as a wonderful family dog. They're called Petit Bessot Griffon Vendayon dogs. What? Or... Thankfully, it has a much shorter nickname, PBGB. I can't, can't say that. I don't know why, because I keep saying heebie-jeebie. No worries. Some just simply call them... The Petites is um, what we call them in the United States because their name is such a mouthful. Petite means small. Basset means near to the ground. Griffon means curly, wiry coat. And Vandillon means from the Vandy area. Cuteness times ten. They're delicious. Candace Bergen had one. Mary Tyler Moore had two. 
and King Louis VII had several throughout his life. Back then, they were called Chien Blanc du Roi, or the King's White Hounds. It is said, as a rule of thumb, that they're actually twice as long as they are tall. This is a bright, alert dog that has a lot of energy. Another fun nickname they're called is the Happy Breed. The PBGV is an ancient French dog that dates way back to the 16th century. It was derived from the Basset Bandine, which is a larger uh, relative. This bold scent hound has a proudly carried head that incorporates long eyebrows, a beard, and mustache. It's the dog's long, droopy ears that enhance its sniffing capability. Those waving ears capture indirect scents by guiding odors and holding them close to the nose, making this dog a superb scent hound. And its strong, tapered tail shoots out like a sword. Always has its tail wagging, its bottom moving, and ready for a good time, anytime. Charlotte and her husband, Ray, live here in Milwaukee, where they have three loving PBGVs, Cindy Lou, Olivia, and Inspector Clouseau, or Clue, as they casually call him. When I found out PBGVs were the detectives of the dog world, I chose the name Inspector Clouseau. We have three PBGVs. We found that it's impossible to have just one and be fully entertained in life. Good puppies! <laughs> but these low-to-the-ground fluff balls aren't just kissing fools. They do serious work. Charlotte's hounds are certified search and rescue dogs, and they are sometimes used to help crack unsolved police cases. They love it. They absolutely love it. We have what we call live find dogs. The live find dogs are tracking and trailing dogs. Charlotte, like most good PBGV mommies, knew that her dogs needed to be active, so she enrolled Clue in a search and rescue class. He absolutely went crazy for the finding of scent. He thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Then Charlotte, along with a few friends, got their other babies involved. They sincerely love people. I think that's one of the reasons that they're very successful in searching for missing people, is that they have a natural drive to find their best friends. They're very talented. They have what's called a cold nose. They are able to follow very, very weak scent for quite some time. Good girl, so. Well, the PVGV uh, is kind of a natural tracker favorite thing on earth. In this training session, the dogs are honing their skills, and it all starts with a scent article. The gloves, again, have my scent on them, leave a little scent pad, and we're off. Once they smell the article, they get that scent in their olfactory system, and they know when they're asked, this is what I need to search for, and search for until I find it. Then it's up to the owners to properly read what the dogs are thinking through their body language. Yes, let's go find her. If their head is down, their nose is to the ground, their ears are usually forward, their tail is in a straight line with their spine, generally that's pretty tracking behavior in this breed. <laughs> yes! And these PBGVs have had incredible people tracking results, like the case of a 14-year-old boy who went missing. He was missing for about two and a half days. So we took Cindy Lou down to the neighbor's farm. Cindy Lou's incredible nose sniffed the missing boy's scent through the woods to the highway, 
and then signaled to Charlotte that the boy's track was gone. Investigators used the dog's reaction to the loss of scent to determine that the boy had been picked up and was no longer in the area. Three days later and 180 miles away, there was a happy ending. The boy was found safe and sound. There are a lot of people that think we're angels for going out there and finding their missing person. It's the dogs, though, that are the stars. We couldn't do it without them. PBGVs can pretty much live anywhere, but be careful because they love to make noise. They will bark and oh, and howl and talk. The PBGV is a fairly healthy dog, but some breed lines may contain a terminal disease. Aseptic meningitis, which is an inflammation in the meninges and can be fatal. Their harsh wire coat needs regular brushing, and it should be hand-stripped occasionally to remove dead hair. If you don't do this on a regular basis every six to eight weeks, they're going to shed like mad in your house. Because they are so smart, they are easily trainable. Start early and be patient. And while they are easy to please, they can be devilish. In general, the PBGV can live anywhere but likes to bark. Watch out for aseptic meningitis, which can be fatal. Remember to groom often and train with a firm hand. Overall, the PBGV can be a great pet for families with older children. I think she loved me. I'm not sure. Each breed has its own admirable traits, but some dogs stand out from the crowd. That's why we're honoring these pups with a segment all their own. It's time to meet today's Wonder Dog. A Milwaukee man who almost froze to death in a blizzard owes his life to his dog. She's very attached to me and about as attached as I am to her. Ted Moss and Buddy were out in his truck one February day and got stuck in driving snow and zero visibility. Unable to drive in the conditions, Ted and Buddy abandoned the truck on the deserted road and started walking. After trudging for two horrific miles fighting sub-zero wind and snow, Ted was exhausted and collapsed in the snow. I knew she wouldn't leave my side, that's for sure. That's when Buddy went into action. Miraculously, she raced to the house of Ted's brother, barking at his door until he followed her to the snowbank Ted was lying in. A man face down like that, well, I thought I found a dead man. All my clothes are frozen to me. They had to cut everything off. Ted had a core body temperature of 68 degrees, 30 degrees below normal. His heart completely stopped twice. Twice they said I flatlined. In a coma for days, no one could wake him until Buddy was finally allowed in his room. Brought her in, and as soon as she started whimpering, because she saw me, they said I opened my eyes. With Buddy close by, Ted took only a week to recover, never forgetting the role she played in the rescue. Well, this is a higher power that had my dog do what she did. How many people get saved by their dog? Ted is one of them, which makes Buddy a certified wonder dog. The German wire-haired pointer, Sirius. Kind of guard dog type, but actually a sporting dog. It's a very well-rounded hunting dog. And silly enough for a three-ring circus. 
That's right, the most popular gun dog in Germany has such a clownish side that they performed with the Ringling Brothers. These guys are very high-energy dogs, quite spectacular to look at. And the rough charms of these smart, affectionate, loyal pups have also been seen in movies and books. With no surprise, they are cast as a dog who loves to hunt. Steady, sensible, strong-willed, and exactly what they were bred for. A lot of different breeds went into developing the perfect hunting dog. The German wire-haired pointer was developed during the mid-19th century by crossing a Griffon, Stitchell hair, Poodle pointer, and German short-haired, then adding distinctive traits of pointer, foxhound, and poodle. The result? An uber dog who excels at pointing and retrieving on any terrain. Octoon. They've been in the U.S. since the 1920s, but can still be hard to find. While they might not be as famous as other German imports, their rugged good looks do capture attention. Very German, uh, very well made. <laughs> and with just one look, you can see which job the wire-haired pointer is wired for, hunting. From their distinctive, coarse, weather-resistant double-haired coat. And it actually protects the dog as it's maneuvering and hunting. To their powerful hindquarters. To their strong jaw with scissor bite, perfect for picking up game. But one of the wire-haired pointer's most captivating charms, that face. That's why they're affectionately called the ugly dog. No, Ruger's not an ugly dog. That's just their nickname. Meet John and his dog, Ruger. You could say their story is the perfect blend of ugly dog and hair of the dog. Yes, this ugly dog is literally the face of the ugly dog distillery a business launched with the help of a special bond between owner and dog. If I didn't have that dog as my buddy, we wouldn't be sitting here today. John adopted Ruger from a breeder eight years ago. He thought he would be a great hunting companion. Ruger pretty much goes everywhere with me. And it was a hunting trip that sparked the inspiration for a whole new adventure in the life of Ruger and John. A friend of mine had suggested that I build a still and make some whiskey patted that dog and said, that sounds like a good idea. With Ruger by his side, John traded hunting for handcrafting vodka, which he named after his best buddy. He's the ambassador to Ugly Dog. I call him Ugly Dog all the time, only because he doesn't understand what I'm saying. And for the past year, Ruger has worked side by side with John and his business partner, Dewey. You might say Ruger is the hardest working dog in the liquor business. From grinding the grain, to checking the stills, to bottling. We're filling our bottles with vodka, and Ruger's role is to make sure they're full and the label's on straight. All right, buddy? What Ruger does here is uh, pretty much become one of the guys. If I'm talking on the phone or answering an email, he's weaseling his way into my lap. Time to get down. But it's not all work and no play. True to his breed, Ruger takes plenty of exercise breaks. Then there's making deliveries. Ruger's favorite thing is definitely the people. Ruger, how are you today? You're such a good boy. And Ruger's day doesn't end there. After a quick nap, he's ready to party. Outdoors, of course, with furry friends and humans too, in celebration of the distillery's first anniversary. 
Well, I think the success of Ugly Dog Vodka is great. They are ugly, but they're so ugly you love them. Ruger is not ugly. He's just the cutest, most prettiest dog you'd ever want to have. Plus, uh, Ruger looks like John. What that ugly dog's face means to me is good times. Some of the best times doing the activities I like to do have been with that dog with me. Cheers! If you're thinking you could fall for a face like this, you'd be right. But you'll need lots of room. The German wire-haired pointer is not an apartment dog. At least an hour or two of off-leash running every day. And that wire hair, it does shed. So regular brushing with a firm bristle brush is a must. These strong dogs tend to live long, healthy lives of about 12 to 14 years. But they can suffer from hip dysplasia, ear infections, genetic eye diseases, and skin cancer. Because they're so smart, training is easy, but they're not pushovers. They tend to be a dog that I would say has a stronger, harder, more determined personality. But with focus and consistency, they'll always aim to please their owners. If socialized early, German wire-haired pointers are great dogs for active families. So in general, the German wire-haired pointer needs a yard and lots of exercise. These hardy dogs live a long life and need a good brushing twice a week. They're easy to train if you're consistent. And properly socialized, they're a good family pet. No, that's mine. Most dog lovers think they've never seen a bearded collie. But they're no secret in Hollywood. Actor Tim Allen turns into one in The Shaggy Dog. And it's TV's beloved Brady Bunch family who had a bearded collie named Tiger. The beardies, as they are affectionately referred to, are often confused with Old English sheepdogs. The easiest way to tell the difference is the tail. Bearded collies have tails. Sheepdogs don't. Bearded collies have large, soft, expressive eyes. The color of those eyes often matches the coat. It's almost like they have like a watercolor painting sort of look. Adult beardies are between 45 and 55 pounds, and their oval-shaped paws are very well padded. The beardie is a descendant of European herding dogs, and it's believed that at least the Magyar Commodore and the Polish Lowland Sheepdog are a big part of the beardie's ancestry. All beardies are born with dark coats. As they grow, they gray out. They may change shade throughout their life, but there'll always be a shade of their birth color. I think that the bearded collie should actually be called the bearded bouncy collie. That's just what Melissa and Jim Beck, who live near Pittsburgh, love about bearded collies. After 11 years, their first bearded, named Katie, developed liver cancer at age 11. We knew it was time to put Katie down because um, she was in pain. Heartbroken, the family swore Katie would be their last pet. Well, I think when you have a pet that is such a part of your family and they're gone, you think that you can go on without it, but there's just such an emptiness and a loneliness. So we lasted about two months before we said, we have to get another one. The Beck's youngest son, Jordan, literally grew up with the family's next bearded collie named Molly. They were so close, Jordan even had Molly pose with him for his senior picture. 
But then six months ago, soon after Molly turned 12, the heartbreak started all over again. Her eyes would tell you the story, you know, as she would start to go up the steps, she would round the corner and about the second or third step, her rear legs would just go out and, and she would look at you with a, with a helpless look. It seemed like overnight, Molly was crippled by arthritis, a degenerative disease affecting the joints of dogs just like humans as they get older. As her limp got worse, and every time she stood up, she was uh, having trouble just getting moving. We knew that it could very well be the best thing to try and euthanize her uh, if, it, if it kept getting worse. We tried vitamins, we tried nutrition, we tried the glucosamine for dogs. Well, let's see what she does here today. Vets say the number one treatment for all dogs who suffer from arthritis pain is exercise and weight loss. Traditional approaches include medication, vitamins, and supplements. But many vets across the world are turning to less traditional treatments, like acupuncture. Another approach is hydrotherapy, where dogs are exercised while immersed in water. They use a specially built underwater treadmill. Molly was not responding to any treatments, and when the Beck's vet, Dr. Mike Hutchinson, saw how rapidly Molly was deteriorating... This thigh muscle here on the right side is a little bit thinner than the thigh muscle on the left side. He suggested something they had never heard of, something that astounded them. Stem cell regenerative therapy. This is a new tool to veterinarians. There's about 2,500 veterinarians around the United States that are doing these therapies. The three-hour procedure, which usually costs about $2,000, would take place in Dr. Hutchinson's office. A surgical team removes fat tissue from Molly's body. Millions of stem cells are then removed from the fat. The cells are activated, then injected back into the affected area. Dr. Hutchinson says many dogs appear to be in less pain in a matter of days. I was a little skeptical at first, but it actually seemed to be our last resort to um, have Molly be out of pain. Molly is a 12-year-old bearded collie who underwent a new stem cell replacement therapy three weeks ago to deal with severe arthritis. Her owners are taking her back to their vet to check out her progress. Is she feeling better at home? Definitely. Molly is doing great today. Now she's out of pain, so her muscles will start to develop and she'll start doing much better as she goes along. Good girl, Molly. Remember how Molly sadly struggled to make it up the stairs before the procedure? Look at the difference just three weeks later. Within probably two weeks, uh, she looked to be a much younger dog, maybe half her age. Some people say to us, you took years off my dog's life. Well, really, they're just out of pain now. Jim and Melissa couldn't be happier that their beloved Beardy has her bounce back. Can I go for a walk? Bearded collies need plenty of space, both indoors and out. Although beardies can be expected to have a good long life, there are some health issues other than arthritis and cancer. They often have hypothyroidism, and they also have Addison's disease. A condition resulting in depression, irregular heartbeat, and dehydration. As far as grooming, start when they're puppies and get used to it. The dog should be bathed every six to eight weeks, but it's important daily brushing and combing. As affable as they are, bearded collies are very strong-willed. 
so it's important to start training early and be persistent. These dogs need a job, and if you don't give them a job, they'll find a job, and the job they find, you probably won't like. Beardies are a wonderful family pet, but because they can sometimes play rough, they should be supervised around small children. So to recap, the bearded collie needs plenty of space. Generally very healthy, but should be checked for a number of possible illnesses. Grooming, lots, but it's worth it. And training is a must. Definitely a good pet for the right family, but remember, it's starving for your company and affection. So to recap, the Brussels Griffon is a cute toy breed with what some people call a monkey face. Bred to hunt rats, it's now a cute companion. The Blue Tick Coonhound was bred to tree raccoons. It's still a good hunting dog, and it's also a well-known mascot. The Swedish Laphund is one of the oldest breeds and happiest on the Scandinavian tundra, where reindeer are comforted by its unusual bark. The Petit Bessot Griffon Vendéon is a low-to-the-ground, wire-haired cousin of the Basset Hound. It has floppy ears that help it smell prey. The German wire-haired pointer may look like an old man with a beard, but they are smart, energetic dogs, best known as Germany's number one hunter. The bearded collie, often confused with the old English sheepdog, was bred to help sheep herders. Today, it's popular in Hollywood. Remember, each individual dog is unique and may not conform to breed standards. If you're adopting a dog, do your homework and see the top 100 breeds, excessive droolers, and best family dogs all in one place. Go to animalplanet.com backslash dogs 101.